What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Friends, and welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Well, this is a week we've been looking forward to for a long time, the last full week of the Donald Trump presidency. But we never thought it would end like this. With only eight days to go, the real question is, will Donald Trump even complete this week as president? Or will he resign, be tossed out of office under the 25th Amendment, or impeached by the House of Representatives for the second time? One way or the other, Democrats and many Republicans are determined to hold Donald Trump responsible for the ransacking of the United States Capitol building last week by his supporters and at his urging. Over 200 House Democrats have already signed on as impeachment sponsors, and an article of impeachment was introduced in the House of Representatives on Monday. Today, we talk with two leaders of the movement to impeach Donald Trump, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan and Congressman David Cicilline of Rhode Island. Congressman Cicilline, it's good to connect with you again. Great to be with you, Bill. Congressman, yesterday you were one of three co-authors of an article of impeachment introduced in the House against Donald Trump. What's the charge? Uh, yes, I filed the article yesterday. It's, it contains a single article entitled Incitement of Insurrection, and it's an impeachable offense. The president incited an insurrection against the government of the United States uh, by propagating a lie that he had actually won the election and that it was stolen from him and encouraged his supporters to march onto Capitol Hill to show strength, to fight, to not give up, which was in the violence that ensued was really an inevitable consequence of a campaign that the president's been engaged in to undermine the election results. And importantly, he encouraged them to go there on this particular day, which was the meeting of the Electoral College. And that's the moment that tens of millions of Americans have their vote formally recognized and we elect our president. And that represents the peaceful transition of power. And their objective was to interfere with that process, to prevent it from happening, and to uh, keep Donald Trump in office. And, and the uh, uh, article of impeachment sets forth that incitement of the insurrection against the government of the United States as a basis for his impeachment. It's pretty clear also, Congressman, isn't it, that some of these people came intending to do more than disrupt a vote. I mean, they had weapons, they had plastic ties, as if they uh, they talked about uh, kidnapping members or even killing members. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, this was a violent attack on our capital and an attack on a, the seat of government. Um, it resulted in the death of five individuals, uh, injuries to dozens more, particularly members of the Capitol Police, and significant destruction to property of, of the Capitol. So these are people that were intent on overthrowing the election results and substituting their own judgment with the judgment of the American people. And uh, it's why it's so important that Congress move quickly uh, 
uh, to hold everyone accountable who was involved in this in any way from the president on down. How quickly, Congressman, can you move or do you intend to move with the impeachment article? Well, the articles have been filed, and I was joined in that effort by 214 members of, of the caucus, so a significant member, number of members are original co-sponsors. We have sufficient votes to pass uh, the impeachment article. I hope it will be taken up on Wednesday uh, so that it can move quickly to the Senate, and uh, we need to keep pressure on Senator McConnell to bring the Senate back immediately uh, to take this matter up. Do you believe that uh, the, uh, there's a chance that Senator McConnell will bring the Senate back this week? Well, I mean, so far he has expressed his unwillingness to do so, but our hope is that Senator McConnell understands that the President of the United States presents a clear and present danger to the well-being of the American people, to our democracy, that he is likely to engage in this behavior again, left unchecked, and if he remains in office. And so removal is urgent. That's why we're moving quickly, and Senator McConnell should do the same. Will you have any Republican votes in the House, do you believe? I think we will. I've been in discussion with a number of Republicans making the case about how important it is that they join us in this effort. I know several have made public statements that suggest they are open to this. So I'm hoping uh, when it comes to the floor for a vote that we will get some Republican support. Uh, and, you know, Congressman, we've been through at least one impeachment of Donald Trump, but usually there are hearings, multiple hearings in Judiciary Committee, at least to, to determine the evidence and to make the case. Are you concerned that this will rush forward without any uh, committee hearings? No. Uh, you know, there will be a, a impeachment report that will be filed that will set forth in more detail the circumstances that led up to the filing of this article. Uh, I think what makes this different is that members of Congress and, frankly, the entire country were eyewitnesses to these events. We were eyewitnesses to the president's incendiary speeches and his campaign over the last several months to create the false impression that he was robbed of the election and it was stolen from people. And so, you know, all of that is in the public domain. Uh, but people, most importantly, saw on Wednesday these events unfold. And so uh, it is, there is not a lot of controversy about what actually happened. There will obviously be an opportunity at the trial for the presentation of documents and witnesses and cross-examination and all the kind of due process rights which normally attach to a trial. That happens in the trial proceeding. The impeachment by the House is more of a charging document that sets forth the basis for concluding that the president committed an impeachable offense warning mm -hmm. his removal and will accompany it with a, a uh, impeachment report that will set forth in more detail both the legal and factual basis for the article. Uh, and you know, Congressman, that uh, some Republicans are saying a couple of things about this effort. One is, hey, he's going to be out of office in a week now. So just hold your horses, right? Uh, what's the rush? What do you say? Well, look, you cannot have an instance in which the president of the United States incited a violent attack on the Capitol to disrupt the orderly transition of power from one president to another killing, you know, resulting in the deaths of five people, injury to dozens of others, a really violent attack, as you described, with very uh, malicious intentions. And you can't just say, well, you know, this was an effort to actually overthrow the government, an attempted coup um, where people died and lots of damage was done. But you know what? He's leaving in 10 days, so let's just overlook it. I don't think we, we have the ability to do that. We have no choice. We, are, we took an oath when we were sworn into office just a few weeks ago 
to support and defend the Constitution uh, and the, the democracy in which we serve. That requires us to take action to defend it in the face of a president who has incited an insurrection against the government. So I think it's really important to understand that this is our responsibility. No one's happy about it. We wish we were just getting ready to celebrate our new president, Joe Biden. But we have a responsibility to be sure that we are making it clear to people all across the country and all over the world that members of Congress are prepared to do their job when our democracy is attacked the way it was on Wednesday. Uh, and the other argument we hear, uh, and I, I find it somewhat ironic for sure, uh, from Kevin McCarthy, from Jim Jordan and others is, no, we can't do this. This is a time we have to heal, right? We need unity. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really rich from people who helped the president, who are really accomplices in propagating this falsehood, this lie that Donald Trump actually won and uh, the election was stolen from him. They all facilitated and reinforced that lie that helped con you know, convince people to march on the Capitol and storm and attack the Capitol. So, you know, it's, it's sort of rich coming from people who played such a key role in, in promoting that lie. But, you know, this notion of healing is really important for the country. But history is filled with lots of examples that prove you cannot heal without justice, without accountability, and without truth. And I think accountability is critical in being able to move beyond these horrible four years and the conduct of this monstrous president. I mean, these were people who really were Donald Trump's enablers, right, who supported Absolutely. him. And by the way... I mean, remember that even after the attack on the Capitol and the violence that ensued, many Republicans in the House and the Senate continued mm -hmm. to promote this claim and object to the counting of the Electoral College. I mean, it's just shocking that even those events didn't cause them to realize the danger of supporting this completely made up myth uh, that you know, the election was stolen, which really was the basis of the, you know, inciting the crowd both that morning, but in the last several months as well. Uh, and of course, Speaker Pelosi, uh, Congressman, uh, as sort of an interim step toward consideration of the impeachment article, has uh, called on the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment. What's going on with that? And would you prefer that as an option? You know, I think the speaker has been very clear. We all believe that it is absolutely essential that Donald Trump be removed from office as quickly as possible. The quickest way were if he were to step down and resign. If right. he will not do that, then uh, Vice President Pence has the ability to convene the cabinet under the 25th Amendment and remove him because he's not qualified to remain in office. And I think the speaker has called on the vice president to do that. I led a letter with many members of the Judiciary Committee on Wednesday night to the vice president, urging him to do the same. Uh, but to the extent the vice president is unwilling to do that, then we are left with no option but to move forward with impeachment. You know, uh, one would think, we don't know what's in the vice president's head, but he, he and his family, their lives were put in danger by this mob on Wednesday, right? You know, one would think that he might be compelled to act well, you know, I mean, I, I spoke to a, a Republican member of Congress over the weekend who expressed a lot of interest in supporting this effort, but expressed concern that there was a danger to that individual and that member's family. Mm. And I, you know, tried to explain you can't allow these domestic terrorists to prevail. Um, but yeah, it, you would hope that what, based on what the vice president has seen, that he would recognize the danger of continuing to 
uh, have Donald Trump remain in office. But at least so far, it appears as if he's been unwilling to invoke the 25th Amendment. And are you concerned at all, Congressman, that going forward with impeachment, and let's say McConnell does not bring the Senate back, they come back on the 19th of January as planned, then President Biden is, a, is, is sworn in on the 20th. And so his first, the first days of the Biden ad, ad, agenda, the Biden administration, will be consumed by a trial uh, in the Senate, thereby interfering with Joe Biden's ability to get off and running. Yeah, look, I think people are very conscious of doing two things. And I've talked to many members of our caucus. People want to be certain that we are moving forward in a way that holds this president accountable and makes it clear that we will do what is necessary to defend our democracy against any attempted insurrection and uh, the kind of uh, violence that ensued on Wednesday. And that accountability comes from impeachment. At the same time, I think we are all you know, committed to ensuring that our new president uh, has the ability to focus on the urgent priorities that he will inherit, that we all are focused on, a COVID response, an economic pa- package that gets our uh, economy moving again, and we're addressing the serious challenges of racial injustice in this country. And I think the vice president, the president-elect has been very clear that he expects us to hit the ground running and is very focused on those priorities. We are too. And I think that should consume all of the energy of the, of the incoming administration. The responsibility for impeachment and trial rests with Congress. This should not be an extended, lengthy process. This is a pretty a simple set of facts, a pretty mm-hmm. self-evident. So I don't think it, it should take enormous period of time. But obviously the speaker and the Senate majority leader will make a determination as to the appropriate time to conduct the trial and the rules we set by the Senate. But um, I have no doubt that we can do both things. We can put together a COVID relief package, that we can you know, address the economic catastrophe that this pandemic has caused, we can respond to the demands for racial justice and at the same time hold the president and everyone else who is responsible for this violent insurrection accountable. Or as they say, we can walk and chew gum at the same right. time. Right? <laughs> uh, and finally, Congressman, uh, with your work in the Capitol, going in there every day, did you ever think uh, wild in your wild imagine, wildest imagination that this building was not one of the most secure buildings in the world, that something like this could happen? No, I don't think any of us who work in these buildings imagined that what we saw happen on Wednesday could happen in the nation's capital. There needs to be a very thorough review of all of the circumstances leading up to Wednesday's events and the response by the Capitol Police and other uh, agencies of the government. Uh, This is a very serious issue, and we need to reassure particularly our staff, people who work here, people who are custodians, part of the cleaning crew, members, people who work in members' offices, they all have a right to come to work and feel safe. So there's a lot of people who have to answer uh, questions about what happened. Uh, and clearly, the Capitol Police were unprepared for this or had, had not taken the necessary steps to call in reinforcements ahead of time. I think that's right. I mean, we need to understand what they knew, what the preparations were. I mean, so much of this was publicly reported, what the plans were. So it wasn't some secret plan that nobody knew about. The president was encouraging people to come to Washington for this purpose. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions about what they did in advance of the meeting of the Electoral College and what preparation did and did not happen. And one uh, item or one issue that has suddenly risen that this has brought back to the surface, Congressman, is the fact that the mayor of uh, Washington was not able to herself 
call up the National Guard or 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 take the necessary steps, which has uh, brought back to the surface the call for statehood for Washington, D.C., uh, to give the mayor the authority to protect the citizens of Washington, D.C., and those like yourself uh, who work here. Statehood for Washington, D.C. has been around for a while, that idea, something you support? Oh, absolutely. I've been a, a co-sponsor of that bill every year. It's been introduced. This is just one of many, many examples of the, the way that both the residents of the District of Columbia and the government of the District of Columbia are shortchanged as a result of not having statehood, and they deserve it, and hopefully uh, that time is coming. Well, Congressman, as a resident of D.C. and as a sometime summer resident of Rhode Island, <laughs> uh, I, thank, I thank you for your leadership uh, in both jurisdictions. Good to talk with you, Congressman. Thank you so much. Good being with you, Bill. Good luck. Take care. All right, let's take a quick break now on the Bill Press Pod. When we come back, we'll join up with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan. And today's podcast with Congressman Cicilline and Congresswoman Debbie Dingell brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, 1.3 million members strong under President Mark Perrone. They're the good people who serve us at our great retail chains like Macy's and Nordstrom's. The big grocery stores like Giant and Safeway, plus our chemical plants, cannabis plants, and meat and poultry packing plants. Members of the UFCW, find out more about their good work at UFCW.org. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we resume today's podcast joining Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of the state of Michigan. Congresswoman Dingle, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's good to be with you. I want to ask you first, Congresswoman, 
last Wednesday, um, I'm sure you've told this story so many times already, but what was it like being in that on that house floor uh, when you heard uh, this noise from outside and were told uh, you were in trouble and had to evacuate? You know, I was on the house floor at the time, and in the midst of this, I don't think I ever really felt that I was in danger. I, I felt like the chamber was a safe place. I was certainly alert. I saw the leadership quickly escorted off the floor. Uh, I, I heard the pounding on the doors. We Ultimately, as we were evacuating, we heard the gunshots. Mm. I could smell tear gas. We were told to pull out our gas masks. But as I was in the midst of this, I've been living in this bill for some time, actually for about two years in what I call the Trump hate tunnel. I have, you know, had people outside of my home. Mm -hmm. I have been stalked. I've had things happen. And it just, to me, felt like a continuation of this hate that's been dividing our country. We got evacuated, and it really wasn't until after 4 a.m. when we finished doing the job that we had to do that I even realized how serious it had been. And it took days to really comprehend that people came there to kidnap us, harm us, to kill us. Did you ever—you've uh, been around the Capitol uh, in various capacities a long time. Did you ever have any doubt that that was— probably the most secure building in the country? No, I never had any doubt, which is one of the reasons I'm sure that I kept thinking that everything was going to be okay on Wednesday. Uh, and the men and the women, uh, there has to be an investigation. We need facts before we rush to judgments. Clearly, there was some collusion. But yet, we are all safe because of the work of the men and women of the Capitol Police that put themselves at risk without proper equipment, without the resources that they needed, they kept us safe. Right. Two of whom have now given their lives for this. So is there That's any correct. is there any doubt in your mind, Congresswoman, that Donald Trump is responsible for the rampage that occurred at the Capitol? No, there's not. But quite frankly, he's been responsible for the fear and the hatred that has been dividing this country. And what happened on Wednesday was just, you know, I, I think we do have to be careful. Not everybody who came to Washington was part of that, the crowd that came to do real damage uh, to the United States Capitol that was a threat to our national security, a threat to the historical significance of that building, a threat. They were people that came to destroy our democracy. They came to destroy what the Constitution stood for. Not everybody who came to Washington that day was like that. But I, I couldn't, I mean, I've been warning people about what the fear and the hatred is doing to this country. I hope it was a wake-up call for a lot of Americans that on frontal display was what we were talking about. But I still would never have dreamed that the awakening would come the way that it did. In fact, you had sort of a, a, a foretaste of what happened at the Capitol, at the Capitol of the state of Michigan, way back in April, I believe it was, right? When, when Donald Trump told people to go liberate Michigan. We did have a foretaste uh, taste of it. We talked a lot about it, you know, and I will tell you that I defended, I became the governor's biggest defender on that. I spoke out very strongly. 
And after I was on another television show, I, I mean, I just got death threats. I got frontal attack. I'll say it on this show by Tucker Carlson, one that I've never seen in my life. Militia outside of my home with assault weapons. I, I, you know, I th- I've said to a number of people, I think if you're a woman from Michigan, that you know what these people are capable of because we have been living with it for a while. So what do you believe, uh, if Donald Trump was responsible, uh, should he pay the price? And what should that price be? How will he be held responsible? How should he be held responsible, Congresswoman? He needs to be held accountable. Our democracy is under fundamental attack. This was an act of domestic terrorism. And there are people that are really trying to destroy the very foundation of our democracy, what our Constitution stands for. I. I believe he was trying, he has been trying to harm the democracy that we all love, what, we, where it allows us to have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press, that you can have different opinions and respect each other. He doesn't believe in any of those. It's not clear to everybody all of the time. But we all have a stake right now in protecting this dream that our forefathers saw. Uh, It's not perfect. We got to keep working to make it better. But there are people that are trying to destroy it. Do you believe he should be impeached? I would rather see him resign or the use of the 25th Amendment, because I think impeachment could become, I think that some people on the 6th saw what we were talking about. I've talked about it. You've heard me talk about it, the fear and hatred in this country. And they understood what we were talking about. It was it was very front and center. But we have no choice but to hold him accountable. So if the 25th Amendment is not used, to, the, the impeachment is the tool that we have, and he has to be held accountable. So as we manage this, we need to make sure that we don't further contribute to the division in this country. But you cannot let a sitting president of the United States attack and incite violence the way that it occurred, threaten our national security the way that it occurred, members' life, his own vice president, a gallow built to hang him from. You, you, can, you don't get a pass. You got to be held accountable. Is there enough time uh, to actually go through the process of impeachment before January 20? It would have to be done this week. Uh, what are the plans? Can it be done this week? Well, I think the House certainly can vote this week. And as I say, he's got the speaker has laid out 24 hours to see if the vice president will use the 25th Amendment. And I think what's particularly concerning, Bill, is that it, it, I, if you talk to people that are in, around the president, they are talking about what his behavior has been like. They are very concerned about it. There clearly has been an even more dramatic change in his behavior. And do you know the kind of damage that could be done to the United States of America. We have nine days left in this administration, but we can't afford another day in this country's history of what we witnessed on January 6th. So we, our job is to protect this country. So I, certainly the House could vote on it. We'll have to see what the Senate does. But it is critical 
that the president be held accountable for his actions. People cannot do what he did. Do you believe there are enough votes in the House for impeachment? Any doubt of that? No, there's no doubt. Uh, there are uh, last night there were 211 co-sponsors of the resolution. Are you one of them? Yes, I am. I think there are more probably by this morning, but I don't know what the number is. Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer are not part of that count because their leadership in, um, will simply follow. I have been talking to some Republicans. They're struggling. I, they do believe he needs to be held accountable. There's a lot of pressure on them, but uh, I think we'll have a ma the majority, if not all Democrats, by the time the vote comes. And I, I think there'll be a few Republicans, and I don't know if that number from few grows to over 10. Uh, and we know, um, Congresswoman, that there is a question then about what happens in the Senate. You referred to that just a little while ago. Uh, the whip, Congressman uh, James Cla Clyburn, ha has suggested that the House could vote to impeach and then hold off sending the, the article of impeachment. I guess it would be just one article of impeachment, as I understand it, correct? That is correct. The House would hold off sending that to the Senate until maybe the, the who knows, a month or the first hundred days of the Biden administration uh, had taken place. Um, is that a plan that you think would be acceptable to Democrats in the House? I think this is going to have to be discussed at more length. I think a lot of people were surprised when that was thrown out yesterday. Uh, there's a sense of urgency that this needs to be done. And I, I mean, honestly, there are a number of members that were very concerned about the discussion. I am also worried about how when Joe Biden becomes president, his job is to pull us together. And we've got real work to do. We need to get the cabinet confirmed. We need to get a national plan for COVID. We need to rebuild our economy. We need to bridge to, as the vice president says, uh, uh, a better America and a distraction of an impeachment trial, uh, though it, 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 I think that we need to have very serious conversations and that the vice president will need to be part of that before I say this is where we've got to go. Because I also know that this, while this is very critical, this attack on democracy, and we must protect the fundamental foundation of our country, COVID hasn't gone away. The impact, you know, we lost 140,000 jobs in December, and they were all jobs women held. This country has a number of crises going on right now, and we cannot lose track of the fact that look at the number of people that are dying every day. 4,000 people died last Thursday, Bill. Just think of the two largest high schools you know, combine them, mm -hmm. and that's how many people died in a day. We've got to focus on this as well. And so you believe it is important that um, not only to hold Donald Trump responsible, but also to not interfere with the Biden agenda, right, getting started and solving the country's problems with the new administration. That, of course, is a challenge, how to balance the two. That is correct. And that's why we're going to all have to keep talking about how we navigate it through. And the vice president's voice will be very important in that discussion. So uh, finally, Congresswoman, I've heard yesterday uh, I saw a Congressman uh, Jim Jordan and uh, leader Kevin McCarthy both say, oh, no, no, we cannot talk about impeachment because this is a time we have to heal the country and we have to unify uh, the country. What do you say to them? I do believe, and you know that I'm someone who spent her life trying to bring people together. 
We do need to heal the heart and soul of this country. We do need to come together. But that doesn't mean that you give a pass to the person that has incited violence, that incited people to come and try to kill members of these institutions. And by the way, Vice President of the United States is a Republican. So people, you've got to hold people accountable. You cannot give people a pass. Uh, we, as Democrats, have a responsibility to be part of uh, bringing us all together, but we also cannot let behavior like this ever be repeated again. It's also uh, somewhat ironic, I'm sure you agree, to hear Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan uh, suggest that it's time to unify and and to bring people together when they both signed on to the Supreme Court challenge brought by the Attorney General of Texas. It is very, very angry. And I think that everybody's got to look, and you now are seeing a lot, a broader group of people than just the Democrats in the House. You've got businesses saying, we're not going to support people that supported that. You know, you know there are things, when we are elected to office, our job is to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. We have to do what keeps our country strong. We have to make sure that those freedoms that were, are in the Constitution are defended at all times. And sometimes that may not be in what we think is our own personal political interest. We need to put of this country and our love and its survival ahead of all else. And that has not happened at times. And that's people are trying to destroy our democracy. And I think that they're using people that don't even think about it or really comprehend that. We are at a dangerous time in this country. And the people that voted for pure political expediency and didn't think about the future of this country and protecting this country also have a responsibility. Well, Congressman, uh, this is Donald Trump's the last full week of his uh, presidency. We've looked forward to this and, and to, for a long time. Um, but um, as we've discussed, he may not even make out the week, uh, either ending it by resignation or the 25th Amendment, or if not, uh, impeachment by the end of the week. We just We need to make sure that we are vigilant every single second that he remains in the White House to prevent ever any further damage to this country. Congresswoman, thank you for the great work that you're doing on behalf of the people of Michigan and, the, and all the people of the United States. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Happy New Year. Thank you, Bill. Happy New Year. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks so much to the good congressman from Rhode Island, uh, David Cicilline, and the congresswoman from Michigan, Debbie Dingle. And thanks to all of you for joining us. Always good to have you with us. And always hope you are subscribers to the Bill Press Pod. If not, please, wherever you're listening to this podcast, just pull up the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and then you are in. Meanwhile, please, COVID's still out there, still more threatening than ever. So stay safe, wear your mask, practice social distancing, take care of yourselves, and then come back and see us on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.